Welcome to the Outbound Sales Podcast with your host, Jeff Swan. Each week, we're going to be talking to sellers, sales leaders, and company founders who are sharing their secrets to getting over 10 meetings booked per month per rep. Every episode is going to be packed full of tactical and practical tips you can use to fill your funnel today. So thank you and happy hunting. Hey everyone and welcome to the Fill the Funnel podcast. Um, I'm your host Jeff Swan and effectively what we do here is we give you tactical and practical advice you can use to fill your funnel and get uh, more predictable revenue from what you do. Um, so what we're, we're I'm meeting here today with Chris Beal of Connect and Sell uh, who is, we're, me and him are going to discuss how we can build, use trust building conversations to dominate markets. So um, here to tell you a little bit about himself and what that means is uh, Chris. Hey, Jeff. Great to be hey. on. Uh, what does it mean? I mean, trust building conversations. Here's the, the framework that, that I operate within. So I've been doing B2B of some kind or another for 40 something years, building companies, right? And one thing I'm sure of is the B2B buyer is the most cautious person on earth for a really good reason. They're risking their career whenever they make a, it's, they don't make the purchase, right? We think they're buying, it's their company that's buying, but they're they're putting their uh, butt in the line in order to recommend something. And they're risking their reputation, their career, their kids' college education, God knows what, right? So they're very cautious. And they must trust one seller more than they trust themselves in order to make a decision because the seller's the expert, the specialist, and they're the generalist. So everything in B2B is about trust. And everyone is tempted, instead of going down the trust route, to go down the value route. And if you go down the value route too fast with anybody that you don't know, who doesn't trust you, they will actually stop trusting you. And that's the irony. And that's where all that no decision noise comes from. You know, most B2B pursuits end in no decision. So that's what I'm all about. Oh, I, I love that. In fact, um, I've always I've long subscribed to the idea that uh, the your, your biggest competitors do nothing. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and to your point is that you can have the best value proposition out there. The, the math works in your favor, but if somebody doesn't trust you or doesn't trust your math or doesn't trust that you have their best interest at heart, then they're not going to take a risk. Exactly. And it is those two things. They have to trust that you're competent, right? A specialist and that you have their best interest at heart. It sounds so simple. Right? Well, it could be easier, but most reps can't, they can't bring themselves to do it. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know about you. There's, there's another thing you were mentioning about uh, in our in our conversation before this about reps uh, coaching and whatnot is that I don't know if there's enough trust building co- uh, in in the sales training and coaching out there these days. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure there isn't. We're offering something now, connect and sell. It's reluctantly never meant to do it, but we feel like we have to. Um, I, somebody once asked me. Well, Steve Richard once asked me before a conference years and years ago, "What do you guys at Connect and Sell really, really do?" And I said, blurted out, "We amplify suck." And he said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, most reps suck on the phone." And we let them have 10 times more of those conversations. And it kind of, you know, started bugging me. It's like, well, what are we going to do about this? And I always thought the sales training community would take care of this problem. Like, don't, I mean, cold calling has been around for, you know, a bazillion years, right? But it turns out that a trust-oriented approach to an ambush conversation 
has never really, especially done at pace and scale, like, you know, connect and sell, we let you have 10 times more conversations, right? So now you're going fast, you're under control, but you hit that button and you felt it, right? Your fingers are a little sweaty, your pupils get big, you know, heart rate goes up, all that stuff. So how can you get from that state of body and mind for yourself into getting someone else to trust you and how can you do it fast enough that you don't run out of time. So I once asked Chris Voss, everybody knows Chris, right? He's a famous guy, wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He's uh, he's like the FBI hostage negotiator guy. Everybody thinks of him like that. I once got to ask him, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? And he said, seven seconds. And I said, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, I said, our research says eight seconds. He says, your research is wrong. It's seven seconds. I'm thinking, huh? So I asked him, well, what do we have to do in those seven seconds? He said, oh, that's easy. All we have to do is show that person that we're talking with that we see the world through their eyes. We call it tactical empathy. And then we need to demonstrate to them we are competent to solve a problem they have right now. And I thought about right now, and I thought, well, I know the problem I have right now. The problem is me. And that's when it became clear we needed to offer some training and coaching because nobody was coaching on those principles. I, I love that. And, you know, I, I have a, a phrase that I use when I teach people how to do cold emails is uh, show me, you know me. Right. And the, when you're talking about empathy and trying to start off that cold call conversation, the emails the same way It's when you're reading that first email, I have to know that, you know, who I am and that I'm not just a number on a list. Yeah. And what's funny about cold calling, cold calling has an advantage over email in this one sense, which is you really do have to show them, you know, them in an email and then you have your shot and then they might read it. They might not. Right. You'll find yeah. out. In cold calling, you have them. They are, quote unquote, reading the email right now. They're listening to you. Right. They can't turn their ears off. That doesn't work. Um, they're, they're kind of stuck. And during that time, what's funny is what you need to know about them is this is a human being and they're afraid of you. And they're afraid of you because you just ambushed them. And you are an invisible stranger ambushing another human being. You're the worst thing in the world. And that's the, the great advantage of cold calling. Because once you know you're the worst thing in the world, there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, you know, you're, you're a bad thing. So you confess that you're a bad thing immediately. And almost everybody thinks this is an apology. This is not an apology. It is not. It is a straight up confession of mutually agreed to fact I am a bad thing. I get it. I know I'm an interruption. Most reps can't say it like that because they don't mean it. They don't want to be bad, right? I, my mom and dad told me, stop being bad. So they don't want to be bad, but you are bad at that moment. And that's your advantage because you can solve that problem. The problem is you. How do you solve it? Well, what are, you know, if you get a cold call, Jeff, what are you really trying to do? You're trying to get off the phone with your self-image intact. As, as fast as possible and with res with respect i'm in the business i don't want to hold people back so with respect but yes get it as fast as possible off the phone and you and you got to keep your self-image intact you, nobody ever wants to damage their own image of themselves so that's your that that's their constraint and that's your advantage because you can now offer a deal and the deal is a deal to solve their problem right now, which if you offer a deal, you're claiming to be competent to execute your side. So if you say in a playful, curious voice, immediately after saying, I know I'm an interruption, if you say, 
can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? In a sincerely playful, curious voice. And it really just has to be curious. You're not telling them to do anything. You're just asking for fun, like a little chuckle. And immediately their relief translates into trust in you and it's involuntary. And the amount of information that just changed hands, so to speak, or brains. Well, an email is 5,000 bits on a good day, right? 5,000 bits of information in an, in an email. That's one quarter of one second of a human conversation. So you talk to them for seven seconds, two sentences, that's seven times four times 5,000. It's a pretty big number. And that's a lot more information that they get to process. And it's all emotional information. Interesting. No, I, I, I really like what you're saying here. And, and it kind of brings it back to what you said at the beginning about the people go for that value conversation right away. Yeah, when you go for value right away, what you're telling the other person is you don't know how to do your job. Right. And, and they don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> why would they? <laughs> no, they, they, they wouldn't. And, and so like, like, I'm thinking of an example right now. If I called you up out of the blue and said, because we're talking about the problems, I want to let you know that I can solve, my pro- solve your problems for you. Um, what if I started the conversation by saying, hey, Chris, I can save you 15% or more on your car insurance? I'm going to go, what you, you think I'm so dumb that I buy expensive <laughs> insurance. <laughs> right. Right. Immediately. It, it, it puts those, that fear up, right. Immediately it puts the walls up and it makes the, the conversation antagonistic already. Cause I've insulted you to start. Exactly. You have, you've nailed it. You have insulted me to start. Do you think I was sitting there waiting for a salesperson to call me to tell me how to do my job? Not at all. No. So now the question is, what can you say? When somebody says, go ahead, what can you say? And it turns out now we're on a little bit of a delicate tightrope. You know, there's a scene and I don't know what it is. That's a movie, I think the golden child or something where you have to walk across these, you know, these tiles and they fall down to infinity. If you pick the wrong one, you blah, blah, blah. That's what this is like. Now you're in this very delicate emotional situation. You've got, you've got trust, but how do you not blow it? And how do you move in the direction of potentially having a non-ambush conversation, what we call a meeting, where somebody agrees to show up? So you've, already, by the way, at this point you've won. You, you like practical stuff on your on your pod. You're mm-hmm. done at that point. You're finished in seven seconds. When they say go ahead, you've already got trust, and so from a market dominance perspective, you're finished because you can pave a market with with trust, and you can do it seven seconds at a time. Now the question is, can you not blow it? So you're going to reach a little bit further, but you don't want to fall into that pit where you're now not trusted. So if you say something like this, I would say, Jeff, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough with that exact voice. I believe, which means listen to me. And then gently, we've discovered a breakthrough. And now you're going to be a little curious. It's like, who's we? Everybody's curious about people. What's a breakthrough? It's a discovery. I didn't say I invented it. I'm not insulting you. I just found something. I'm just telling you we found something. And now I'm going to tell you a little something about my breakthrough, but I'm not going to tell you what problem I saw. I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that keeps you from betting your entire company's growth strategy on collapsing media like email and social without ever using the most powerful way 
of getting trust in the marketplace, the phone. And the reason I reached out to you today is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you. Do you happen to have your calendar available? Something along those lines, you got a shot. I, I like that. The breakthrough is the key word that triggers something in my head. Like yeah. right off the hop, I like you said, it triggers that curiosity. I want to hear this breakthrough. It's it's like uh, front page news, <laughs> right? It is. And, and I'm taking you on a journey from fear, you're afraid of me because I'm the invisible stranger who ambushed you, to trust as the second step, then to curiosity, because curiosity is the only emotionally motivating factor that will get you to try something new. And coming to a meeting with me is something new. Hmm. So this is a very, very simple and straightforward way to think about cold calling. Why is it so hard for people to actually apply these principles? Well, there's, there's two big reasons. One is they're taught they're taught the other stuff. They're, they've have ingrained habits around talking about their solution. When you talk about your solution, what you immediately get is the we're set objection. And if you get your marketing department involved or any committee involved, they're going to say, no, no, we got to talk about us. I call it corporate narcissism. We have to talk about us. We're really important. You know, we help products or companies like X, Y, and Z solve this problem like A, B, and C. And that's the insulting thing. And immediately they, they find another way out of the conversation, right? Remember their goal hasn't changed. Their goal is to get out of this conversation with their self-image intact. So they haven't changed that goal. You don't get to change their goal. Their goal stays the same. So the way that, that the prospect will deal with the situation is to say, uh, great, thanks so much, Jeff. You know what? We're set. And you can't do anything about the we're set objection. Because when I say we're set, what are you going to do? Say, no, you're not. Yeah. You, do, do, you, do you antagonize your prospect and say you're wrong? You're, you're stuck. You're on the third grade playground at that point. My daddy's stronger than your daddy. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Where does that end up, right? So sales on the third grade playground doesn't work. So you need to avoid it. So how do you, that's the delicate tightrope. How do you get them intrigued enough to say yes to attending a meeting? And by the way, saying yes is enough also. This is widely misunderstood. It's the second thing is reps are taught to seek certainty in order to move to the next step. But in the world we live in, it's a very, very fluid world. There's a lot of liquidity of information. There's a lot of pressure on people to do lots and lots of different things. So if we're seeking certainty like ironclad, you agree to come to this meeting on this date, on this time, you work for me now. I'm not going to use a word that rhymes with itch, but you get it, right? That's what reps are taught to do. And yet in the modern world, all we have to do is get a verbal from somebody and if it's like this, I have somebody who works with me, her name's Cheryl Turner. She gets a CEO on. He's standing in the rain. He's filling up his car with gas. And he says, Cheryl, of course I don't have my calendar available. I'm standing in the rain. I'm filling up my car. And she says, fantastic. You know, I'm a morning person. I'll shoot you something for next Thursday. We'll move it around if we have to. He says, yes, a verbal to a meeting. Now, what happens next Thursday? Does he show or not show? Who knows? Who cares? We know he answers the phone. We call him back and say, hey, something must have come up for you. When would be a better time to talk? That's very respectful, but it also gives you a little moral advantage. You, you see, I like that, too, because um, we're always taught. So many teams are taught, hey, you, you book 15 appointments and you show show 10. So you've lost five. 
But you've, what, what you just said, though, is really important, is that you haven't actually lost it. They answered the phone the first time. They responded the first time. You have the ability to get them. Yeah. Yeah. It's your ego that keeps you from loving no-shows. Cheryl's motto is, I heart no-shows. I heart no-shows. I don't think I'll ever hear any other sales rep say that until, <laughs> until, there's, <laughs> until there's some uh, challenges. But no, I totally understand. I mean, the thing that I've noticed about cold callers versus the other uh, other types of sellers, and, they, and if this isn't a, a judgment call or anything like that, it's just more of um, cold callers always seem to have this utmost confidence that they know that their fate is in their hands. There's just something about it. Uh, and and they have the power to fix, right the ship, right the wrongs, whatever, and you know make their quota in a couple of days as opposed to waiting for it. Well, there is a lot of power in it if you do it well. I mean, I'm looking at Cheryl's numbers right here. So here's October for Cheryl. Does this, this tell me if this sounds like power to you? So Cheryl has used Connect and Sell for for uh, during October for a very short period of time. I'm going off. Let me just make sure I got my dates right. 10, one to 10, 23. So she's used it for uh, two hours, 47 minutes and zero seconds. During that time, she's had 31 conversations and set, get this 18 meetings. She only calls CEOs. That sounds like power, right? That's power. And CEOs are the ones that never pick up the phone. Don't have time, all these other things. And yet she spent, what did you say? Two hours? Two hours, 47 minutes and zero, zero seconds. Very unusual. This was 31 conversations, 18 meetings. It took 788 dials for that to happen. Cheryl didn't make one of those dials because Cheryl doesn't dial the phone. She pushes a button and talks to somebody. So she does this, by the way, while taking care of her three-year-old for the most part. And her other, she has other kids, but that's kind of main. You know, you ever have a toddler? <laughs> you spend a lot of time. Totally. No. Okay. So, so this is a great place to end because dropping those stats is how I want to end this podcast. <laughs> because Thank you so much, Chris, for joining today and talking, helping us understand how to actually have those trust building conversations and why it's so important to own that seven seconds uh, to dominate the market. Um, and of course, dropping some stats to end even better. So Chris, thank you so much for joining today and uh, to our listeners, happy hunting. Thank you for joining us for the Outbound Sales Podcast. We hope you learned something new that you can use today to start filling your funnel and leveling up your outbound sales game. If you're still looking for more support and guidance on how to get to 10 meetings or more booked a month, then go to outboundsos.com. There's something for everybody. Thanks and happy hunting. Get, 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 get.